Welcome everybody to the One to Go show presented by Dirt Tracks of Fly. Find the One to Go show on TikTok, find the One to Go show on Snapchat, find the One to Go show on YouTube, and find the One to Go show on Facebook. It is Puka, it is the Ryan Hill, and it is the Bert Lehman. Welcome guys. A lot of racing starting Wednesday this week. We got a pile to cover. Yeah, the Three Stooges are back. We love it, right? A uh, lot of, you know, not a lot of shows because we're getting the invitational season here, but a lot of big races, national title stuff, points, championships coming down to the line. Of course, the World 100. Bert, how the heck are you, man? I'm doing all right. Um, uh, I actually have been, uh, I caught the vid. Um, <laughs> so I have, I've been in isolation since last Tuesday, but, uh, Luckily, uh, I don't seem to have that bad of a case. So, uh, it wasn't um, a better time for four <laughs> nights at Valdora. Shit, I wish yeah, I, I would have got it. I couldn't, I couldn't go anywhere. So, yeah, I was in my, like I said on last show, I was going to sit in my recliner and watch Eldora four straight nights. And that's what I did. And, uh, but no, I, I'm, I'm doing well. I seem to be on a really good road to recovery. So, my isolation ends on Thursday. So, so I'm looking forward to that. You don't want to push that through the weekend. Like, you know, I'll give you a permission <laughs> slip. You got to take at least Friday off, right? I mean, you got all this racing coming up here this weekend with Soda One Honor <laughs> and all that stuff. So you got that cough. You can't go back till at least next <laughs> This is what it is. So, well, I mean, actually, luckily, uh, where I work, uh, they're allowing me to work from home and they're going to let me work. They want me to work from home through Friday anyway. So uh, just just for extra precautions. So <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well, episode number 97, of course, we got a tradition. Who do you guys got? Number 97. Bert, we'll start with you. Um, well, I actually have two. Um, let's start with a driver that I'm sure everybody knows. And if you don't, then you really don't know Wisconsin racing at all or NASCAR racing. Uh, but uh, Alan Quickie. Uh, he started racing on the dirt uh, down in Hales Corner Speedway. Uh, he had number 97, and uh, but he's more he's more well known for uh, uh, his asphalt uh, racing. So, but uh, he's got a little bit of asphalt. Was it? Did he have Hooters? Well, yeah. When he won the championship, it was Hooters. Yes. I mean, that's. I mean, obviously, I like him. I mean, he's a <laughs> northern guy, but sponsored by Hooters. How do you not like that, right? I, I would agree with you on that. <laughs> and the then wings. my other, for the wings. My uh, other driver is a local driver in Northeast Wisconsin. Uh, I, he's won a few track cha championships in the sportsman division at Shano Speedway. Uh, dabbled in late models late in his career. Uh, Kevin Tober. He is he is in the Shano Speedway Hall of Fame, and uh, he always had a number uh, ninety seven bright yellow car. Uh, he did have a black 97 one year when he raced late models and a little bit of trivia here um, since the Punky Manor is coming up in a, in a few weeks. Um, MJ McBride won a heat race at the Punky Manor racing Kevin Tober's late model with the number 97 on it. That would have been around 93, 94, somewhere in that range. <laughs> nice. Nice. I love it. I never knew him to be in anything other than five. So that's pretty cool. Puka, who do you got? Number 97. Oh, gosh. I thought you, I was really going to surprise you with this one from back in the late 80s when Harry Hansen had that orange and black car. But I already saw 
that you were kind of on to that. So yeah, but yeah, many race fans don't know. And as a matter of fact, I think the first year I really remember racing was that year. So I don't know whenever that was 86, 87, Harry Anson in the 97 still have the picture duck put away somewhere, you know, with the scrapbook, but uh, yeah. So 97, Harry Hanson. How about you, Ryan? Who we got? And he's back in the late model, which is cool. I mean, nothing against the sprint cars and on wing deals, but Harry belongs in a late model. So great to see him back in a late model. Well, I got rapid Ron Schreiner, right? Talking about, you know, down at the Punky Manor. I seen him turn many laps down at the Red Cedar Speedway. You know, he's been down in Arizona for quite a number of years, but he's back up. He ran several nights over at the Cedar Lake Speedway in a Midwest mod. So I haven't heard, I haven't seen, I haven't even talked to him, but it'll be fun to see if maybe he's over at the Legendary over there. Uh, he's not number 97, though. I think he's running number five, maybe, in or he was. I think he did jump back to 97. I could be wrong on that, but he was number five for a while. I'm not sure what the story is there, but remember those old green cars that he had, Rapid oh, Ron. And uh, I remember him in the late model back in the 80s, too. Yeah. Elva Auto Salvage, right? Yeah, I thought something like that. I remember Eliva, Eliva it was. Eliva, yeah, yeah. Eliva, yeah, might have been. Right like down by Eau Claire. I got some friends down there, but he was good. And then if you're a late model guy, if you're a race historian, there's a Hall of Famer, you know. How do you not, Red Farmer, right? How do you not have that guy in the list? 88 years old, and this cat is still racing. Guys, I'm going to be honest. I feel like a quitter. I really do. I'm 47. <laughs> I'm like you know, just over half his age, and he's still turning laps out there. So I'm going to have to re rethink this whole deal, maybe get back behind the wheel again. I'm not sure. If he's still doing it, th there's no excuse. I need to be out there, too, but. A Hall of Famer and Bert, you mentioned earlier, part of the Alabama gang. You know, do you got any old stories about Red Farmer? This guy's been around for a long time. I can't think of any stories off the top of my head. But, yeah, I mean, he's been around for a long time. And, yeah, part of the Alabama gang. And um, to me, that's what I remember him most for is part of the, the Alabama gang. We might have to make a road trip in the wintertime down to the Ice Bowl, down to Talladega. And, you know, he's from Alabama. We might have to actually go right on over to his shop, visit with him. I mean, I don't even know how to get a hold of him, but that would be super fun. Somebody that's been racing that long, right? 88. Can you imagine the stories? I mean, I feel like I got a lot of stories. I've been around racing for, you know, 40 plus years. I can't even imagine the stories this guy has, right? I mean, we're talking about the deep south and they're still not over the war yet down there and <laughs> as we heard they're a little rougher on the edges down in the southern part of the country we'll talk about that in a bit but i mean man the old moonshiners and all that kind of the old grasswood stuff it'd be really cool to talk to red farmer so you know you mentioned we're sponsored of course by dirt track supply they're going to be over at the wasoto 100 one of three vendors over there with tires not a good situation. Um, it sounds like everybody's going to get a like a voucher and everybody's limited to two tires at the Wasota 100. So I'm Ooh. not sure how that's all going to work out. I know several several people have been kind of saving up. So hopefully everybody's good on that. And the I-94 Sure Step Speedway, honestly, been doing a good job on the track. So knock on wood that it doesn't take rubber. But Ron and Trevor, you know, they, they do a great job. You know, I actually talked to Ron over in Madison, I was down there and, you know, he's like, man, it's been crazy. You know, a lot of shortages with stuff. Their job has not gotten a lot easier, but they still provide a great service to the racing community. Been doing it a long time. Dirt track supply, Watertown, South Dakota. So 
Puka, what do you say we get at it? What do you say we talk a little uh, local racing? You guys, did you go to Superior or Grand Forks or anything, Puka? Did you go anywhere this weekend? No, I was glued to the I was glued to the monitor with all the racing. It was a lot easier to catch it all right for the comfort of my recliner. And, and of course, Bert was COVID, you know, so he had to stick at home too. Well, it's invitational season, right? And Vernon Racing, they sponsor a bunch of cars. They have been for a long time up in the Ashland, Wisconsin area. Of course, they had some of their cars over at the Northern Nationals, but they're sponsoring this section. And really, in the Wasota region, this is the best time. Invitational season is epic. And really, if you're a late model fan, the biggest one of the weekend last weekend was the John Seitz Memorial over at the River City Speedway grand forks north dakota of course they had the prelude to the johnny on thursday which was the final nlra late model points night of the season remember that came down to the wire and then they had the 9200 to win double header for the john sites memorial i know you guys watched that what stuck out to you well the i'll kind of start here the cool thing first thing i saw was that Nebraska car, Corey Dumpert from York, Nebraska. I thought that was really cool. We don't see Nebraska cars racing with Zoda very often, but you know, kudos to Grant Forks and the Sites family for promoting an event big enough to get somebody like up, you know, like that up there. Friends of the show, Jordan Talixson and Trevor Anderson both made the show. They actually ran up, you know, decent in the top 10 for a while there. But I think the big story, you know, was AJ Demo with the win on Thursday night for the in the prelude and then the win on Saturday night, lapping up to sixth place. I mean, he lapped everything through seventh and then he was challenging. He actually went to the line spinning as he was trying to lap Brad saying, uh, you know, he didn't know obviously how far ahead he was, but you know, so he's going to the line hard. Right. You know, well, yeah, I don't know what they had there for that. But, uh, so, but I, I think that's really the story for a guy that as we know, races real sparingly, you know, he went up there and it was just that dominant, just that much better than everybody. And then I'll turn it over to you, Ryan. But my question before that is, was Chad Becker there? Where was Becker? Becker was not. Becker was not there, which I don't know. I mean, he's really been struggling over the last couple of weeks. Lots of stuff going wrong. He, I know he blew up a hauler. He blew up a motor. Steering has been on a tear since his suspension. And he came back and he kind of stretched the gap. And I'm wondering if Becker just says, you know what? I'm throwing in the towel. I'll, I'll race maybe a couple more shows here. I'm, I'm out because Searing has been pretty darn dominant, and I was super happy. You know, I've been giving him a little grief. I'm like, man, you know, you're racing against nobody all year. Not that they're nobody. There's some good cars, but lower car count, not the big shows. And Cole Searing made the trip up there on the podium, actually. He got – he should have got second. I talked to him. He's like, I didn't realize I was in second because there was so much lap traffic, and he just kind of put it in conserve mode and slipped back to third at the end. But, you know, going up to the Sites Memorial – that's you finish on the podium at that race. That's a great way to kind of cap off a great season for him. He's going to be the national champion in Minnesota late models. So it was only right that you saw Searing go to that show. And it was good to see him run. Well, also Becker, I don't know. I, I I'm, I'm assuming he's going to go to the Wasota 100, but like I said, I mean, he's really had a rough stretch the last couple of weeks, DNFs and all that. And wasn't this the third sites Memorial for AJ Demo? Yeah, the only third three-time winner. And that that's another thing. That's a little bit of icing on the cake. He just he's got a dial there. Like I said, he was just so dominant. Like I said, lapping up, you know, through seventh, almost got sixth place at the line. 
it was incredible, you know, and, 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 you know, the track was good hats off, like I said, to the Sites family, Grand Forks they're racing all over the place. Uh, it was just, yeah, it was a great event once again. Here's a question I have, and I don't know the answer to this. I feel I just thought of it now. Has anybody ever won the prelude and the sites Memorial? Has that been done? I'm sure it has. Yeah. Over the last couple of years, it hasn't. Yeah, I don't know for sure. Yeah, I don't think the last couple of years, not since we've been doing the show anyway, but yeah, I right. I, I don't know. Yeah, Does Strand have a couple of those? Because Strand hasn't won the big one, but he's, he must have some praise. He hasn't won the big one. He hasn't. He just kind of had an off year. I thought maybe he was going to rebound, but he hurt a motor. He ran up front. He was in the top, what did he get? top five for sure at the prelude. He hurt a motor, and just like last year, he had to switch motors, and he had to, you know, so that just put him behind the eight ball the rest of the weekend. So he was, that was a bad deal. And of course the NLRA points, they come down, Demo the winner, but Edgington come into that deal on Thursday with an eight point lead. Right. And he just, he just didn't have a good night. Mike Gresseth snuck by him and he beat him by quite a bit. Mike Gresseth, the rookie in the late models, congratulations to him. your 2021 NLRA champion. Now, I'm going to say this about the sites. The late model racing was okay. It's pretty good. But I'm here to tell you, street stock racing is simply better. It's simply better. I'm telling you, if you, I know you guys are just always on late models, late my gift, and I love you guys, but I'm telling you, you're missing them. Okay? Okay? I'm telling you, the street, you need to jump back on there, right? Go to Dirt Race Central, and I'm giving you a homework assignment. You need to watch the street stock features. Because they were unbelievable. I mean, we're talking three-way battles for the lead, slicing and dicing. Parker Anderson, night one, Volga was there. Night two, it was a three-way battle for the win. Ryan uh, Ryan Johnson almost got by Vogel. Vogel won. I'm, the street stock racing at the Sites Memorial was far superior entertainment to the late months. It just is what it is. And then there's this guy right here. The one TPO, Tyler Peterson, probably one of the best slide job masters in all of modified racing. He was the show in the modifieds. And if you remember, it was only two, three weeks ago. We're like, well, the modified points is kind of done. Sabraski's got a big lead. It's really a battle between Tyler Peterson and Brandon Kopp for sec. Remember that? Well, not no more. Because after the sights, he was tied with Sabraski for the point lead. Sabraski won in Madison. He took the point lead, but Tyler Peterson was phenomenal over at the River City Speedway. So great show all around. I mean, great racing over there. Lucas Rodin also won the uh, first night there in the Midwest Mod. But like you said, A.J. Diemel, unbelievable. I mean, and I think uh, me and Bert, I'm just going to say, I don't know who Puka, who do you pick? Oh, I picked Glenn's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Puts, yeah. puts, puts out a message, what, on Wednesday, Thursday, Wednesday? <laughs> I'm just saying, there's one of those, you pulled a Ryan, you're picking people that weren't there. And Bert and I, we both picked Demo, didn't we? Yes, yes. Yeah, that, that turned out to be the good day. He was so close last year. He only lost by half a car at the line. So, also, hey, nothing against our friends from the north, but the Sites Memorial has come back stateside. The first time in four years the Sites Memorial was won by an American. So it's back down here and uh, Turnbull was there and I saw that uh, yeah, there, finished there was a, 10. he finished 10th. He got 10th. Yep. Yeah. And he, he, he some tr trouble on the heat race. 
Yeah, only three shows this year. So, of course, the Science Memorial, great racing action. And then we head over to Wisconsin, right? Because well, let, let, let me ask you guys a question real quick about Demo here a little bit. So I was doing some thinking about him. And like we said, he races very sparingly. And he has for a good 10 years, or at least since he's joined Mars's shop. You know, so I don't know. That's probably, what, roughly 10 years. You know, I know he did some time in the Summer Nationals and such. But will we – so my question kind of is, in context, will we ever see – A.J. Demel's full potential. Not that he's not good. He's obviously good. And that's why I'm asking the question. But how good could he be or would he be if he was 60 shows, 70 shows, 80 shows deep the last five, seven, 10 years, for example? So so would he have been a top five guy in Ohio this weekend rather than being a winner in Grand Forks? And whoever wants to start, go ahead and start. Um. Well, I mean, I'm not exactly sure why he doesn't race as off, why he doesn't race more often than what he does. Um, I'm actually surprised because when he got this job with Mars Racing, I thought that that would put him to the next level um, in racing. And um, I mean, he has done very well in the western part of the of Wisconsin and Min- in Minnesota. I mean, he's won some big shows. So, I mean, you could say that he has reached that upper level by going to Mars racing, but yeah, the, it just seems like the last few years, he doesn't race as much. And I don't know if it's a financial issue or, or what it is, but uh, you know, I wish he would, he would race more. I mean, I think he definitely has the talent to at least be a very, very good regional driver. Um, but to do that, you need finances and you need to, do a lot of racing. <laughs> yeah, I would say he has the talent. I mean, ever since I remember him being, I think he drove one of Canta's cars for a while, kind of when he when he moved over that way. And he was fast right out of the box. I'm like, I didn't even know who this guy was because I didn't pay much attention to Eastern Wisconsin. He comes over, bam, instantaneously fast. And he's been fast ever since. Of course, he won the last Challenge Series, um, which would have been 2019, 2020. They didn't have it. He won that. So, I mean, immensely talented. He barely races. He's one of those guys that I'm a little bit envious of because I had to kind of get in rhythm, right, and race and uh, kind of get a little feel for it. And he'll take two weeks off, jump in, be in the top three. It just is what it is. Yes, yes. So, that's the crazy thing. That's what I mean. That's why I'm asking the question. It's like, it's just, he's so good. But he could he be answer, so much better. You know what I mean? Right. To answer that, I think that goes for a few people, right? But to, I would say... Does he have the, the potential, the skill set, you know, to be able to run at a high level on the national scene without question? He's never really had the, I don't think he has the financial backing to do it. Right. I know he works for Jimmy. I know they're crazy busy, but he's not making a million dollars a year, right? So it just is what it is. He, I'm sure he makes good money. I'm sure they pay their bills just fine, but it takes some real, real capital to run on that national scene and follow that. In my guess, it's either A, right, he just doesn't have the potent, the backing to do that, or B, he's got a family too, right? So maybe he just is like, you know what, I want to stay home. And just a lot of people maybe don't want to. I don't know what his aspirations are. I don't know if that was ever on his radar. But, you know, without question, I look at a lot of the people on the national scene, and I've said this for a long time, we have great drivers in our region that could run on the national scene and run very well. He's definitely one of them. Awesome. Well, fans, why don't you comment too? And drivers or whoever's out there, you know, please comment on your thoughts on AJ. Cause like I said, extremely talented. 
you know, I, I'd like to think that we've seen peak AJ Demo, but like I said, you know, you start thinking about it. If he put all those shows and all the time, yeah, if he was, if he, you know, if he had the, the time that Boom Briggs did, you know, in, in behind the car, like I said, would he have been a top five car in Eldora? You know, maybe, maybe we'll never know, but maybe in the next 10 years, something like that will happen. So yeah, now we can move on to Wisconsin, Ryan. Yeah, the Northern Nationals over at the Gondick Boss Speedway in Superior, Wisconsin. Of course, they, they had a full week of racing, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Thursday, kind of a prelim night. They had the, you know, non-wing sprints. They had a few different classes. Midwest Bonds were there. Brady Uten, and I'm going to start with him. Puka, he's been unbelievably fast. He was fast and impressive at the Labor Day shootout in Hibbing. And then they had a, a, an interesting deal. On Wednesday, they had a Super Stocks versus Midwest Mod Challenge on practice night, and he won that deal too. Put two grand in his pocket. That was super cool. Um, XR Race XR puts that on. They actually streamed that deal, so they did a good job with that. And then he came back on Thursday and he won night one in the Midwest Mod, and then it just went downhill. I think he he had an engine problem, some kind of a miss. And literally, he made like, I don't know if he only made a handful of laps. It sounds like he finally got it running right in the B main on Saturday. But, man, he went from, like, on top of the world to, like, he can't even get the car to run. That was a tough break. But keep an eye on that nine. I'm telling you, this kid is no joke. He's young, second-generation guy. He's going to win a bunch. And then the super stops, okay? Now, we got some drama with the Northern Nationals. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But coming into the into the weekend, we got a big battle here. Shane Sabraski, Kevin Burdick battling it out for the national championship. And Sabraski drove by them all to win night number one. And uh, Flynn got second. Burdick got third. And that kind of gave him a nine-point lead, which is a big lead this time of year. And the next night, Burdick redrew the third row and drove by them all on the bottom to win night number two in Superior. Cut the point lead in half. We went down to Madison. He got it done last night, too. So they're tied. We'll talk about that in a minute. Super stock racing was fantastic. The late model racing, a guy that has been unbelievable, Pat Doerr, doubling up on the weekend, a pair of wins. And Puka, I'm going to be completely honest, and, and he said so himself in Victory Lane and even on Facebook, extremely lucky day two. <laughs> extremely lucky day two. Because I was, I was texting back and forth with Joe Staria, the promoter, during that event, I'm like, it's going to rubber up. He's like, he ain't going to rubber. So they talked to Burdick after the Superstock feature. He's like, no, there ain't no rubber down here. And he texts me, he goes, donkey award to you. If we would have farmed it, it would have been. I'm like, dude, it's rubber. <laughs> and, it, and it started to take a little bit of rubber in that late model feature. Not like Hibbing did, but there was some rubber on the bottom. I talked to the drivers, and then it rained. With like yeah. a full, it sprinkled. And I'm like, just throw the check throw the checker because Derek Vessel was leading along. Oh, he's gone for a while there. Gone by a straightaway. Oh. And Mike Belfi looked really good. He was in second. He said, he goes, everybody else is up here slipping. I found that little bit of rubber on the bottom. Car rotated, drove into second. It starts to sprinkle. Those two just got hosed on the restart. Dorf on a little brown up there, drove oh, by yeah. them both. And and I tell you, Pat Dorr, he's been a guy that's really been deserving of a win so he got two of them so great late model action what stuck out to you in the late model features or, or from what we talked about then we're going to get in the mods next that's yeah. going to be the fun part for this guy right here well yeah just like i said mother nature definitely on the side of pat door and if you bring it back to friday night it was georgiasi in second and 
it looked to me like Jassy was probably an eyelash quicker, but he just could not find a way. He kept trying to go around the top and, and Pat had just enough, you know, I think, I think there just wasn't enough grip up in four for Jassy to complete that pass. But I think he was just an eyelash faster, but he didn't want to touch him. He didn't hit him real, real clean, hard racing. But yeah, congratulations to Pat Dorf for doubling up. Yeah. And tippy toe, you want to talk to him, Bert, if you haven't seen that yet, watch that. I'll, you know, We'll get you hooked up there. But if you want to talk about a slippery racetrack, I'm telling you, it was like literally glare ice. They were tiptoeing, finessing around that track. And, and the technical side of me is like, I can enjoy that at times because it really, I mean, as dry as it was, I really thought it was going to latch down. And, and they really did a good job. And they got a little lucky at the end of the late model one there the second day because the, the rain kind of washed that away. But it was as dry as it was, as slippery, it really wasn't dusty. You know, it didn't turn into a dust bowl. And the reason for that, guys, is they didn't go out there and farm it. And they didn't go out there and kind of scrape them, them serrated blades across it. And they weren't misting it every 15 seconds. So it kind of just cleaned off. And you can see drives driving all over the racetrack there, which was good. And, and really the best racing of the weekend was the modifies overshadowed by a complete bunch of craziness okay but the <laughs> racing was absolutely phenomenal so i'll get into in my eyes who actually won okay and then i'm gonna get into what happened night number one johnny broking held off ashley anderson ashley anderson has been amazingly fast all year long i mean he has been almost unbeatable and he was all over johnny and i'm telling you it was tippy towing around that racetrack probably the best I've seen the 45 J all year. And, and Ashley was there and I'm, I'm talking, it was cat and mouse around the, the Gonda Claw speedway in superior Wisconsin. And he comes across victory lane, John or Johnny broking in my eyes, one night, number one. Now in the eyes of the racetrack, it was Ashley Anderson. We'll get into that in just a couple minutes here. Okay. So Johnny broking, <laughs> we know who won the Northern Nationals night number one. It was a 45J. I don't think anybody would dispute that. Night number two, another good race. Actually, Ashley Anderson, Shane Sabraski were duking it out for the lead. And oh, we're a little, yeah, little fender bending. Come down just a little bit. Next thing you know, Ashley Anderson kind of carved under the infield and he <laughs> doored him. I'm like, I've never seen Ashley Anderson like touch a car. I mean, he's, them two are like the two cleanest drivers out right. there. And, they talked after the race. He's like, hey, not, you know, they're, they're cool. It was no big deal. I mean, it was a little rubbins racing. And both of them guys are good enough to when there's contact, they ain't spinning out. They just, it just is what it is. They kept going. But while they were playing kissy face around the bottom, here comes Jody Belfi rolling the high side. And he drove by both of them. Jody Belfi put the 11 in victory lane. And, and literally, he looked really good. I mean, he, he's been good there all year long. That's another guy we've been talking about. But here's the deal, okay? Here's the deal. You got <clears throat> buckle up for this because here's exactly what happened at the Gondic Law Speedway. So you remember Dave Kane got disqualified earlier this year, right? And when I initially heard that, I give myself a donkey award because I errantly said, "Oh man, it was a big deal," you know. And I, you know, I'm like, you know, if he's cheating, he should be booted out. It was a minor infraction. What what they caught him with? It was a so on the cross member, there's two bolts on the lower A-frame, okay? And then they measure down to the bottom of the cross member, and they have to have a minimum measurement there, okay? Well, that measurement, his was just less. 
So in theory, if the car's really rocked over on the right front, that could give you a little bit more on the roll on the right front to help you rotate the corner. That potential is there. That's why they have the rule. You got to have rules in place. So he got DQ. So I don't know how this all came to be, but prior to the feature on Friday night, the tech officials at the track and the Wasota tech official decided we're going to go measure a bunch of modifieds. Now, keep in mind, the heat race is being aimed, already done. They're measuring cars prior to the feature after the fact here. So they're measuring all these cars. And I get, I get a message on Messenger saying, did you hear what happened in Superior? I'm like, no, I don't know what's going on. Well, several cars got to start in the back of the feature. I'm like, what happened? Like, what's going on? Well, they what happened first is they measured a bunch of cars. There was multiple lethal cars that initially they said, hey, these ones are all illegal. They're all, that measurement's not enough. There was a couple other cars in question. And the initial ruling from the track or the from the track tech official was we're going to DQ them from the heat. The B mains already ran. They got to fix it and they got to start in the back of the feature. Okay. I text Joe. I'm like, what is going on? He's like, I don't know. So he calls the tech guy. He's aware, unaware of it. He's the race director. He's a promoter at the track. So they're like, no, 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 no. We, 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 if we're DQing them, it's got to be right after the heat. So just tell them to fix it. We'll check it after the feature. If they're illegal, we'll DQ them. So they all started in their spot and they, they, none of them went to the back and so on. So after the feature race, Johnny Broking wins. They call the top five to tech. And then they had a couple other cars that were in question that they had them come to tech too, even though they were in the top five. We're like, we're checking all these cars, right? So they come down to tech and you have the track tech with soda tech, track promoter, and all the drivers underneath cars and they're measuring every single one of them. All of them were within specs except for Johnny Broke. So his was a quarter inch off. You can debate if you want, if you think that made a difference. I have enough knowledge in racing, watching the race, right? To where his car's not rocked over enough on the right front. That did not make a difference. I've talked to several drivers. They all agree it had no bearing on him winning that feature, but they disqualified him after the fact for a quarter inch and, and he called me and he's like, you know, Ryan, it, it is what it is. I got DQ'd. You know, I, I don't think it mattered, but I guess the rules, a rule, he was okay with it. He's friends with Kane, Jake, Jacob Kane letters, his car. He's like, if they DQ'd Dave for it and they DQ'd me for it, I'm it's okay. I'm, I'm cool with that. It is what it is. I know I'm not a cheater. It is what it is. Day two happens. Okay. After the feature on day two, they measure the deck height on the back to the deck height back to the deck height this all started at the gondola speedway earlier this year they measured several of them several were just illegal right and they just they're like well we're gonna let it go and then the next week there's all kinds of dqs right okay they come across one i don't know the driver i don't know who this one was but i i do know for sure there was one that was about an eighth inch over and they said it's an eighth inch you know, you could, I mean, we're going to let you go. Okay. Now I want you to keep in mind that a press release came out from Wasoda in July in regards to this, it had the specifications there and it said no tolerance. This rule will have no tolerance. Now guys, I'm going to say straight up the rule's stupid, right? I think they got to have a rule, have to have a rule because if you get too much deck height, but 
there's so many variables, hard to get tires. It could be tire growth. It could be put some wedge in the car. There's a lot of things that can get that car lifted up. The rule's gone. But at the end of the day, a rule is a rule is a rule, right? So they, it said no tolerance. The winner, Jody Belfi, initial measurement, three quarters of an inch high. Okay. Now, it's like, eh. so the tech guy has the latitude. And, and I talked to several drivers. He does this, not just for Jody. He's done this for everybody. If somebody measures a little high, he can kind of bounce on the car, get it to settle to make sure everything settles in. If he does it for everybody else, I'm perfectly cool with that. That is fine. They did that. It was five eighths of an inch high. He did it again, a half inch high. Now I've heard different numbers. I've heard three eighths to half inch high was the was the final measurement. No disqualification. Okay. Now at the end of that race, I can tell you right now, the broken clan not happy. They're like, I don't care if Jody gets disqualified because I can tell you right now that extra half inch of of you know deck height had nothing to do with him winning that feature. He just drove a hell of a race had nothing to do with it. That was not the difference in the feature, but it's the principle, right? It's the principle. You DQ a guy the night before for a quarter inch of meaningless. Now, a rule's a rule. I get it. But if you DQ him, you have to DQ the guy the next night, right? So they have a big powwow after, and there's a lot of people discussing it and on the phone with Wasoda and all this. Was Billy stuff. there? Billy was there, yep. And they made the decision that we are not paying Jody Belfi tonight. We're not doing it. We're going to discuss this further tomorrow because here's the situation. Shane Sabraski got second in the feature. Okay. If they give Jody Belfi the win, he gets second. And that would have put him tied with Tyler Peterson at that time for the national point lead. If they disqualify Jody Belfi, Shane Sabraski gets the win and a five-point lead going into Madison. There's not many races left. That five-point lead is huge this time of year, okay? Now, I can tell you right now that the drivers are like, I don't care if he gets disqualified, but if you disqualify Johnny, you have to disqualify him. If you're going to let him go, give Johnny Broking a freaking check for $1,800 and pay the guy, okay? I'd be perfectly cool. Best-case scenario, pay them both. Because neither one of them won because of the infraction, but a rule is a rule is a rule. Okay. So the next day, I'm texting, my phone's blowing up like crazy. I have people texting me, calling me. I'm like, I'm waiting to hear. I'm on the phone with Joe Staria going, Joe, what's going on here? I'm like, this is, I, I'm like, you, you got to have some consistency here. This is ridiculous. You got to have some consistency. Well, they get on the phone with Bill Engelstead, the head of Wissota Teching, who, I'm very critical of because he's made some very poor decisions already in regards to like Bryce Ford DQing a legal race car. So a thousand dollar suspension, 30 day or thousand dollar fine, 30 day suspension years past for an A mod running a B mod motor. Some really stupid stuff I've seen. Okay. Well, literally in the conversation, the conclusion comes out to this we're going to deem him legal. Jody Belfi is the winner. The reason, get this, the reason is, well, we decided um, that we're going to have a half-inch tolerance for that rule now. thought it was zero tolerance. Right. <laughs> the question is, when did they decide they're going to have a half-inch tolerance for this rule? 
after they caught this guy with that was too high. <laughs> so how I mean, if they would have said on Wednesday, hey, we're gonna have a half of tolerance, okay? Great, great. That's fine. Nobody would argue with it. Everybody would be okay. But you can't wait till you catch somebody and say, well, we're going to have half inch tolerance. He goes, well, we decided this before. We just didn't tell anybody. You didn't tell anybody. Why didn't you tell anybody? He's like, well, the reason we didn't tell anybody is because if we give them a half inch tolerance, you're going to have all these chassis builders out there and they're just going to like build their stuff up higher and they're going to be playing the edge. How about you tell your tech guys? Just a thought. I mean, you know, you got to post it. There's a, it's a deal right in the rule book that if there's a update, if there's a rule update, it has to be posted on the website and it has to be posted in all the dirt. There was absolutely no rule update here. None, zero. It is absolutely ridiculous. Okay. So I'm going to start from the beginning again. Neither one of these guys won because of this infraction. Okay. They both drove amazing races. They're both friends of mine. They drove great races, but right is right. You can't DQ one guy and not the other. You can't make rules up as you go along, right? Now, the next question is this. Who's the tech guy in Superior? Jody's dad, right? Okay. The winner's <laughs> dad from Saturday night. Now, I'm not calling him out. I'm just saying you make your own decision on this one, okay? You make your own decision. But if that don't look bad, if there's not a perception deal there, I don't know what is, right? Because they had no issue DQing Johnny Broking for a quarter inch, but all of a sudden Jody wins the race, rightfully so, fair and square won the race, and he he's let go. I'm telling you, what what's I'm I'm blown away by this guys. I really am. Now let me ask you this: so you get Tyler Peterson, right? He's battling with. Shane Sabrasky for the points, right? If Shane gets the win, what? That's not good for TPO, right? So he, what do you think his thoughts were of this deal? He's probably pretty happy. What do you think? He's like, oh, cool. You know, if I get the win, that helps me. He was pissed. He was pissed. He's like, I'm a racer. I've been doing this. We put a lot of time and effort. What's right is right. I don't care. You know, if they DQ one, they got to DQ the other. He don't want to win that way. He don't want to, if he wins by three points, he ain't going to feel good about beating Shane by three points because Shane rightfully should have had a win according to the rule book. Again, Belfi drove by him, had nothing to do with that in my opinion, but it, right is right. I mean, I, I want your guys' thoughts. Puka, Bert, what, what, am I missing something here? No, you're not. You're. <laughs> I don't think you're missing anything. Uh, as they as they say on South Park, I call shenanigans on this, um, <laughs> because uh, I mean it just doesn't sound right. And I mean I don't know anybody involved in this situation because I'm on the other side of the state. But I mean I agree. I mean if one guy's DQ'd, the other guy is DQ'd. And I mean if if there's tolerance and it should be well known that, you know, there is tolerance. You can't just uh, change the rules after the fact. And, and I think this is, I mean, this is something that doesn't make Wasota look good. And I mean, we, we've talked about these DQ issues several times. And now this is, we always seem to be talking about the same track, right? It's the same track, but this <laughs> official decision, I'm going to say this, they consulted with the head of Wasota Tech, okay? So ultimately, 
they left that decision. They took it out of the hands of Jody's dad, who's the track tech guy. They took it out of his hands and they went directly to the head of Wasota Teching and they said, what is your interpretation of this? What do you think needs to be done? And I'm going to be straight up honest. Bill Engelstad, congratulations. You just got your second donkey award of the year. And this is a top 10 candidate for sure. Congratulations. Job well done. Well, well and I then, wonder. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, and getting away from this, um, I mean, when they were teching the others after the heat races, but after the B mains, and then, you know, it, it to me, the way you explained it anyway, to me, it just sounds like they're just making stuff up as they go along. Can you imagine, can you imagine for a minute, if they would have taken those drivers they thought were in question and they wanted to make them start in the back of the feature? Can you imagine had they made them all start in the back of the feature and then they measured them and go, oh, my bad, you actually weren't illegal. Holy cow. Somebody would have had a complete meltdown for sure. Well, it's, yeah, I, I just wonder if Sebraski and the Brokings are going to go back next year and ultimately will Zoda call, but it kind of must leave a bad taste in their mouth. And then you have to think about the can of worms now next weekend for those old 100. Are they even going to touch this rule? Are they just going to stay away and say, look, we're not going to open this can of worms. We're not measuring. I mean, they're not going to put this out publicly, obviously, but the little committee for teching say, look, we're just we not going to go there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're just not going to go there because, you know, it's, it's, would you say zero tolerance? And now we have tolerance, but we don't want to tell anyone there's tolerance and, and like I said, we, when we talked about it the first time, I think it was right after the 4th of July, it was the border battle. You know, how are you measuring it? You're measuring it on concrete. You're measuring it on an angle. You measure because didn't uh, – who got disqualified? In, was it in Tyler Ogilvy? Tyler Kane Tyler right. got disqualified, and they literally would not – they would not even let him get on flat level ground. They said, nope, you're out. We always measure here, you're out. It's like, wow, unbelievable. Yeah. So yep. just a, a can of worms that uh, I, I, I wouldn't want to be involved with it. I love the tech guy, so – Anyway, we can wrap up Superior. What final thoughts, Ryan? <laughs> yeah, my final thoughts is when you talk about no tolerance, I got no tolerance for stupidity. I, re I really don't. Okay, I really don't. What's You, you got to have principles. You got to have character. Just do what is right. Okay. Again, I don't think they won because of these infractions, right? But what's right for one is right for the other. You got to call it the same way. And this is just an example of Wissota just just dropping the ball over and over and over again. And, and I'm telling you, there has been some flat-out favoritism by that particular tech guy. I'm talking the Wasota tech guy, not the track tech guy. There's been some incidents where he has literally, in the same night, let somebody go for an infraction and followed that up with DQing somebody, giving them a 30-day suspension for the exact same thing. I've had people because of this call me and say, no consistency here. That's all we ask, okay? I've been a racer. I've been around racing my whole life. I hate bullies. I hate when people push their weight around. Don't argue with me. I'm right. All right. That's how he acts all the time. This guy's a black guy to Wasoda. He does not belong in that position. I get it. It's hard to find people that want to do the job. But this guy, I've been saying since day one, he's not qualified. He doesn't have the right character, the right attitude to be in that position. And, and I think Wasoda promoters, changes need to be made and they need to be made very soon so let's get to it we went down to madison by the way talking about the national point hunt here we went down to madison so i got it right here i'm looking the wrong way we got kevin kevin burdick in a battle there 
and he, and he's burnt out. He's like, man, I'm sick of this point steal. It's so stressful. I'm like, you gotta go. Like you and are <laughs> battling. You gotta go, right? And and Shane's a friend of mine. And I, but I'm like, I want to see a battle. I want to see it. I want to see it tied going into the final night of the year in a perfect world. That's what I want to see. So we went down. We made the the four and a half hour trek down there, and Kevin Burdick got it done. He parked it in Dixie Lane in Madison. A little bit of a hip check on the 7A at one point during the race to kind of maybe protect the lead there a little bit. But I told him, I said, it don't matter. You got to win. You got to do what you got to do. And he did. And uh, Sabraski laid the smack on the modifies, about a half the straightaway lead. He's got the point lead. So the super stocks, national points now, are tied going into the Wasota 100. Modifies. Shane Sabraski, five-point lead on the one TPO of Tyler Peterson going into the 100. Lucas Rodin made the trek over. Um, he actually, he's been racing a ton all over the place. He made the trek over. He parked it in victory lane, and he has a one-point lead over Tony Liker, right? So I'm talking, there's some epic battles. And again, the best race of the night, street stocks. Again, Braden Brower led the lion's share, three-way battle, him and Kyle Dykoff. And then, of course, Mike Jans, who's been lights out. Dykoff slipped off the end. Jans drove around him on the last lap for the win. Three-way three battle for the lead. I'm telling you, it was fun being down in Madison. Heck of a good show last night and uh, national title implications on the line. So that's it on, on Madison. And I'm kind of looking at my notes here, talking about, you know, the national points coming into the, I guess, coming into this week. We got two big shows in the area. It's, I'm going to call it 100 week, right? It used to be just the Wasoda 100, but Cedar Lake, of course, not Wasoda. So they have the legendary 100 at the Cedar Lake Speedway, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And then they got the Wasota 100 over at the I-94 Surestep Speedway. Now, guys, I got a question for you on Cedar Lake, right? Because would you agree that in our region, for years, Cedar Lake has kind of been the epicenter of late model racing, right? The local late, that's been kind of the cream of the crop there. Last year, they had 17 late models at the legendary Will they get 24 this year? Um, I will say no. <laughs> Is anybody from Eastern Wisconsin making the trip to Cedar Lake that you know of? Maybe not. I don't know because there's a Dirt King show on Saturday night at, in Seymour. That's so. Okay. That answer is no then. That's a no. That's a hard no. Okay. So, so over there. So uh, unless there's a throwout night, um, I would assume Nick is going to be in Seymour because I okay. believe he he's leading points right now. Okay, and, and I got to give a donkey award here to Kevin Eater. Okay, Kevin, he's a buddy of mine. I like Kevin. He's a hell of a race car driver. But Kevin, you're, he's having his bachelor party, and I get it. The bachelor party is down <laughs> at Knoxville this weekend. Jesse Glenn's is opting out. He's not going to the legendary or the Wissota 100. He's going down there. There's other drivers talking about it as well. You're taking drivers away from our premier events to go to your bachelor party. Now, Ben Crookton, I would love to see Dirt Race Central follow that shore. I can tell you that. <laughs> tell you, it might be more entertaining seeing a Kevin Eater bachelor party than watching either one of these two shows. That might be some really, really good stuff. Um, Cause he's a hell of a lot of fun. That kid's a flat out hoop. So congratulations to him. It's a shame that a few of them guys, him included, aren't going to be um, racing this coming weekend, but the Wissota 100 guys, the format for this is they race uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Okay. It's three complete shows. Now, 
though. It's the top eight in the feature on Wednesday lines up the inside row. The top eight in Thursday's feature lines up the outside row. And the top eight in the feature on Friday lines up the center row. <clears throat> but here's the deal. No matter where you finish on the first night, you can opt out of that and say, I don't want that spot. I'm going to race again the next night. Now, keep in mind, these preliminary nights pay nothing. It's like less than $100. I know I uh, talked to a driver in the Super Stock. I think it was like maybe 100 bucks or less to win one of these prelim nights, which is probably one of the hardest races to win is these prelim nights at the 100. But all three nights count for national points. Okay. Oh, the final night, the final feature, the primary feature, no national points, which is weird to me. I don't know why they don't have national points on the main feature. That's weird to me. But the three preliminary nights all have national points. So I talked to Burdick. I talked to Sebraski. I talked to Rodin. I know Liker. All these guys that are chasing points, they could win the first night, but they're going to race night two, night three, and they're going to race all of it for basically no pay because they have to because the points battles are that close. So I'm here to tell you, it's going to be – I'm a points guy, so it's going to be super interesting to see this. But I got a question for both of you, okay? And I'll, I'm going to preface it with this. I talked to several of these drivers, and they're stressed, right? It's stressful. Racing for national championships, it wears on you. It wears on you. Would there be a benefit to ending the national point season at the Wissota 100? Yeah, and I, you know, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. And fans, we want you to, to comment on this, too, what you think. You know, kind of like the World Finals where they do it at the end and and it's kind of the big spiel. You know, I, I guess I'm not as much of a point guy as you, Ryan. It makes makes sense to some degree, and it especially makes sense if they're counting on these prelim nights. Maybe you just throw in the towel, like you said. Maybe racing can be fun for those several drivers that are, you know, the last couple of weeks for those several several drivers that are competing at the end, and and uh, the last few races could kind of be the victory lap. Go ahead. Let me, let me switch the question around because a fan question of the week came from Dave. Of course, Cowboy Up, Shane Howell, who is very fast at Fergus Falls, right? He sponsors a fan question of the week. But the question really kind of came to this. You look at all these end-of-the-year invitationals, right? You look at the Red Clay Classic, the Labor Day Shootout, the Punky Man, all these big tra you know, tradition, them type of shows, right? Good-paying stuff. The Red Clay is probably the best-paying show up at the ABC Raceway. But a lot of drivers look at that and they're like, we can't go to Ashland. That's Heat's one day features the next. We got to go somewhere over here. Probably going to have less cars, but they're going to have two complete shows. So you look at it. And when it comes down to invitational season, I talked to a lot of these drivers. They're like, invitational season's fun. You know, you're racing against all the top guys. If they, if they took away the whole burden of points, they took that out of the equation. It was just for money and fun. Would you see all the drivers going, you know what? That race is more fun, more tradition. We're all going to go there because points don't matter. Do you think that some of these bigger shows would be even bigger if they got rid of that deal? Go ahead, Bert. Um, I mean, you bring up a good point because I was thinking the, the opposite way um, that uh, having the invitationals have national points helps bring drivers to the invitationals. But I see what you're saying. If there's multiple races on the same weekend, drivers are going to go to where they th think they can get the most points. Um, the only thing is if you ended at the Wasota 100, 
the invitationals held before the Wissota 100 get more weight point-wise than what the invitationals after the Wissota, like Punky would be no national points where Labor Day shootout is national points. Yeah, and, and I don't think you're going to see any points chaser at the Punky. I don't think any of them are going. I talked to all the points chasers. They're like, we're not going to Menominee because it's Heath one day features the next. So they're not going to see any national championship contenders at the Punky Manor at the Red Cedar Speedway. Well, they're all going to be at the Bemidji Stampede? They are. They are. I, I know I talked to several of them. They're going to the home of the chicken shack because it's right, baby. Now, with that said, also that weekend is the Madtown Showdown, right? Or no, excuse me, Casino Speedway, the Autumn Classic, the following week is a Madtown Showdown. So I know that Sebraski and Burdick are both going to Bemidji. You know, Sebraski's like, it'd be fun to go to Casino, but they don't have supers, right? So he's in a points battle in both. So they're going to go to Bemidji because there's two complete shows. I feel like Granite City has a couple Sunday shows left in them as well, but they're all going to go to these, I don't want to call them small or insignificant or whatever, but kind of the, the tradition side of me is like, you got your big specials, right? The Wasota 100 is a big one. The Labor Day Shootout's a big one. The Northern Nationals is a big one. And the sites, of course, the Punky Manor, the Red Clay Classic. The Stampede, the Fall, Jamestown. Jamestown Stampede. All these shows are big tradition deals but tradition gets pushed to the side when you're chasing points because they need the shows so that was a good question plus plus in talking to specifically Shane Sebraski he's like you know Ryan I'm ready for the points to be completely done he goes I don't like all this stress and drama and I don't like any of that he goes there'd be nothing better than just going to the invitationals racing try to win if you don't win have a few beers sit around the bonfire visit with all your buddies that's what the invitationals used to be growing up there was never people worried about national points at the at these big invitationals it was just the atmosphere of being there that made them special so big so i think that's something that wasota needs to take a really good look at well that was back in the day when when local point titles see that's why it was they, they already wrapped up their local points championship and then they rolled into the invites where it just didn't matter so the stress was over you know because it used to be a big deal to win your your hometown track points and now no nobody even cares they're they're on the road all the time exactly exactly so you know looking at this okay so the boone super nationals wrapped up this past week and we'll talk about that briefly in just a minute right because i had somebody ask me they said if you really look at the Wasota 100, right, what makes it any more special than any other invitational, right? When you talk about all these invitationals, the Labor Day Shootout, Northern Nationals, the sites, all this stuff, what makes the Wasota 100 more special, okay? The, you ever heard the, you only had one job, right? <laughs> really, the only job of Wasota is put on one event. <laughs> you know, I look at it as, as a, I guess, a race enthusiast going, they can make this into a true spectacle, right? I mean, they got a full week of racing, and, and if you're a diehard race fan, that's all good. It's good racing, and I-94 has been really good this year, so it probably will be good. But what can they do to make it more? The winners, for example, at Boone, guys, if you look at the feature winners, the pictures from Victory Lane, did you see, have you seen anything on Facebook, all the contingency prizes they get? Yeah, you can't see the cars. It's incredible. <laughs> prizes. It's there's they get more in contingency prizes that they actually get the product and take it home than they get for actually winning the race. 
I mean, it, we're talking thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. I mean, they get crate motors and they pit lifts and they get all this stuff, right? And with soda, you don't get none of that. You know, furthermore, I talked to some people involved, right? And they said, you know, they're reaching out to us like the week before the 100. They're going, they're, they're trying to get something the week. What are you doing the week before the 100? Seriously? You should have been, this should have been done six months ago. What are you talking you about? You to last week's show. Un unbelievable, right? <laughs> they did. Yeah, maybe that was it, right? But, I mean, and, and I get it. Maybe there's just not enough manpower. Maybe they need more help at Wasoda. I don't know. Maybe they need a few more able bodies willing to do stuff. That could be, you know, because there's time put into it. I don't know that the answer to that. But there's no contingencies, right? You know, heck, they, I mean, we talked about, we talked about maybe having a Hall of Fame. And imagine if every Saturday of the Wasoda 100, they inducted the Hall of Fame and they had a picnic with all the former champions. It just made it a big to-do make this event a true spectacle there's so much more that they could do but they do the opposite guys it pisses me off right i've been a racer i was a broke racer my whole life i look at what they did to the wasota 100 this year and i want to kill people okay like seriously they're charging for pit parking right everybody that pulls in has to pay to park their hauler in the pits. So they got to pay for their draw fee, their entry fees. They got to pay that. Now they got to pay for pit parking. What are you talking about, right? And some spots are 200 bucks for the week. Some are 50, ass nine. But on a positive note, at least they cut the purse. <laughs> at least, the least they could do. <laughs> what? Yeah, they cut the purse. I was looking at it, brought to my attention by some racers that are going to be there. They're like, we're looking at the purse from a couple of years ago and we're looking at the purse now and certain spots are the same and from a certain spot down they dropped it they're cutting the purse the race of champions they're racing for less money in the race of champions well that's because the carson's mess up it is because the afro was a sponsor of that deal they still are the afro race of champions but he screwed that whole deal up with the shock program now the driver's got to pay for that that takes money out of the driver's pocket do your job do your job. Don't be don't be nickeling and diming all these races. Don't be doing that, right? That's ridiculous. Okay. That is flat out absolutely unacceptable. And and really you should resign. Okay. You, you really should. You know, when, when you do something like that, you should just say, you know what, I'm out. Like I clearly don't have it. I don't have the best interest to race or what the hell are they doing? Why they how can you raise the cost and cut the purse? That's ass nut, right? That that just and I'm, I had some drivers say, we're not going. We're just going to skip the weekend. After they heard about all this stuff, we're out. We're not racing. This should be an event where people are, like, eager to go to. And there is. There's going to be some good cars there. It's going to be a good race. But, I mean, come on. I mean, it just it, it baffles me, guys. I'm telling you. It just Well, it, it, well it, one of, see, one of the reasons they can do that is because they kind of, well, not Cedar Lake, but everyone besides Cedar Lake, they kind of bully and say, you know, you can't race this weekend. So they kind of. Is it a spectacle? It probably could be, or maybe, or was. And, and uh, you know, not to take any, anything away from Don Shaw and everything he's doing at I-94, but when you when you monopolize the weekend, basically, sure helps. And this is a fundraising event is really what it is. Okay? A lot of people don't realize that, but because they don't go out and, and generate corporate sponsorships for Wasoda, right? I mean... You look at some of the big businesses that are based out of Minnesota and Wisconsin. Let's, I mean, why? I mean, I, maybe they've tried or whatever. Maybe they haven't delivered. 
But instead of getting sponsors, they use this event as a fundraising tool to generate the revenue to pay out the National Coin Fund. Sure. And that, that's what it's used for. And I did it. I won national championships. I like those checks, but I also won with Soto and Honor. I like that check too. So <laughs> go do your job and bring some revenue in instead of quit nickeling and diving the drivers, right? I mean, can you imagine going to a Vikings game and saying, look, okay, and maybe they should make them pay the way that they played on Sunday, okay? Incidentally, Bert, my Vikings, your Packers, tied for first in the NFC North right now with the Bears and Lions. They all suck. None of them wow. won. So I was, I was just going to say, I think your Vikings played better than the Packers. The Packers were horrible. <laughs> well, they had 17 penalties or something like that. I think they all played bad. But, yeah, the Packers were terrible. So, they're, <laughs> but can you imagine them saying, look, okay, Aaron Rodgers, Kirk Cousins, you know, I know you want to play here this Sunday, but it's going to cost you $200 to come in. And, and then next week they're going to be like, well, $250. You, you don't charge the clowns to be in the circus. <laughs> you know what I mean? It, you just got to quit nickeling and diming these race teams. It, racing's already expensive. It's already expensive. They should be looking at ways to reduce the expenses of racing and increase the money that goes back out to the drivers. That's what needs to be happening. It has not happened. And this is another prime example of that donkey award to the Wasota Promoters Association. Take two. That's two in this episode. Congratulations to you. Now let's talk some national racing stuff. The big one, of course, guys, the World 100, take two. It was good stuff. I, Bert, we're going to start with you. What stuck out at the world this year? Eldora, it was it was good. I know you missed being there, of course, but uh, what stuck out to you? Yeah, I, I did miss being there. Um, I mean, it was really good racing. Um, uh, the 51st feature, which was run on Thursday, um, the first 75 laps were really awesome, but then the track took rubber and, and it was all over after that. But, uh, I mean, the weird thing is, I mean, Overton won, obviously, uh, Thursday night show and everybody just expected him to win Saturday. I mean, it was almost like a foregone conclusion. It's like, you know, Overton's going to win. Why are we even racing? And then he took the lead and I even sent you a text. I said, it's over. And then... And then that caution came out and it all changed after that. But the weird, the weird thing is, you know, Overton didn't win both of them and you kind of have a sense of disappointment in his performance for the two shows. And, and, and it's ridiculous to say that because I mean, he won both dreams. He, he won the first world 100 that was run. So he won three crown jewels in a row in one year at Eldora and you kind of feel disappointed because he didn't win the fourth one. <laughs> Utter failure. He should probably just quit, really. Just give up. Just give up. Hey, Puka, I got a question for you. Literally about a day before that show happened, or maybe the day of that show, I got a frantic text message from you. Hey, I want to change my pick. I want to take Overton for Saturday. How about Well, it was the – I thought the 51st annual was Saturday, and the 50th was – Thursday, you know, then they said, well, it was the reverse. They ran the 51st before the 50th because I knew Larson wasn't going to be there on the weekend because of NASCAR. So, yeah, I got the frantic 
Well, like I said, my pick on that was just as good as my Glenn's pick in Grand Forks. <laughs> well, he was there anyway. He was there. <laughs> I, I do want to add, though, I didn't get any picks right for those two races, but I picked both winners just in the wrong race. <laughs> right. right. You got to thank our late model expert, Jeff, for changing the rules there because that cost you two right there, which is good for me because I'm up by two right now. But, you know, a lot of things that stuck out, you know, our late model expert, Jeff, pointed out, he's, he, he kept texting me. Who's missing? And I'm like, okay, well, you know, I named off a couple of drivers that weren't there. And he's like, nope, somebody else. Nope, somebody else. Moyer, right? First time since 1986 that there wasn't a Moyer, Billy Moyer or Junior, at the World 100. Now, his kid sounds like he missed the event for the birth of his child. So congratulations to him. I guess we can accept that, right? But, uh, man, a little different there, a little different taste with no Billy Moyer there. You know, I guess that's something we're just going to have to get used to. That was, yeah, we noticed that at Cedar Lake, too, was kind of a, uh, like I said, walking out that last night, I remember looking at my brother saying, well, that was kind of weird, no Billy Moyer. But I, I had some thoughts also, just not real results related. So Kyle Larson shows up six times, tail door this year, doesn't get a win. Pretty rare for Kyle Larson. I see he's winning the heat race right now. Uh, at the flow, uh, flow event that's being held here on Monday night. But a couple of drivers that showed some signs of life this year at Eldora was, you know, Daryl Lanigan had that heat win, showed a little bit of signs of life. He ran fairly well all week and he only made one feature, but at least he was, you know, he was there. Ricky Weiss with that second place in the heat with that big battle with Bobby Pierce. He showed some speed here and there. Uh, of course, Scott Bloomquist led a lot of laps in the feature, won that heat race. So he showed some life. And Marlar is a guy that I've had on the cold list. You know, had a spectacular run from the B feature to second place on Saturday night. And then just some surprises in the event that AK-47 chassis, that Austin Kirkpatrick making the show. That was kind of a big deal. You could see his car does look a little bit odd. Hunt the Front's joiner making the feature. Jensen Ford on the pole Friday night, Mullet Nation, down for the Ironman series down there in the Southeast. So that was cool. My calculation is we had only six drivers lead laps during those two features. McDowell, Johnny Scott, RTJ, Bloomer. Overton and JDs. If somebody would ask six racers over those two races leading laps, I probably would have said, I'll take the over. I thought there'd be more than, than six drivers. And there's a kind of on the local scene, Jimmy Mars, tough week, hitting the wall or brushing the wall on time trials on Wednesday night and then hit going hard into the wall Thursday night. He packed up, didn't see him Friday or Saturday. How about this Christian Chris Nash dude, that 354? That guy got more camera time than than Kyle Larson did yesterday in the NASCAR race. I mean, did he do, and he had Bill Steen on the spoiler. Was that his strategy? I, you got to sponsor that guy right there. I mean, he may not be winning, but he, all the camera guy camera time he's getting, he's definitely doing some good stuff for his sponsors. Herb, did you keep track of how many yellows that guy was in? I did not keep track, uh, but he was uh, in. He was involved in several cautions with that were just straight spin outs, but I do give him credit for going there and, you know, giving it his all, but yes, he was in, he caused a lot of cautions. Yeah. We'll give him credit for being there. And like Ruben Morales would say, New Mexico represent Johnny Scott, right? Stormy, like we talked about him, was he going to win another one, but Johnny Scott parking it in victory lane in one of the prelim features. That was pretty cool to see the first car. How about Billy Moyer rolling off P1, right, to to start the World 100 on Saturday? Scott Bloomquist? Scott Bloomquist, yeah, my bad. Yeah. So how about Bloomer, right? So did you hear the cheer oh. of the crowd? Did you hear that? 
He's still the biggest deal at Eldora. <laughs> but I'm here to tell you, like, I'm used to hearing like at least half booze. And they were like, I mean, because he struggled over the last couple of years and there's so much history, is he becoming like that cheer for the underdog? You know, we want to see this guy win. How big would it have been if he could have just found a way to pull that off? Oh, if, if he would have pulled it off and won the whole thing, yeah, that would have been crazy. But yeah, I mean, when I go to Eldora, I kind of sit in the section where there's a lot of Bloomquist fans that sit. And I mean, they are just diehards. I mean, I went to Eldora one year for the World 100. Um, that was the year actually when, remember when he had that chrome car? And then he drove oh, yeah. over the nose and hit the wall in hot laps and never got the race because at that time they didn't allow for backup cars. And some of the Bloomquist fans just left. They didn't even <laughs> stay and watch the, the, the World 100 event because they came to see Scott Bloomquist and he wasn't racing. So, I mean, he has some diehard fans. But I, I think there are some casual fans also that would like, I mean, I would like to see him win another race. I mean, I, yeah, I found myself pulling for him for sure. I mean, when I would go to the big events like Cedar Lake and World 100, I would always kind of anybody but Scott Bloomquist, but then Bloomquist would kind of win. But, you know, now I would actually like to see him win a big race and just, you know, um, I mean, because it would probably be his last if he, <laughs> he does win one. I, yeah, I'm telling you, it was, it was crazy. You know, another thing, you know, you talk about backup cars, right? I'm surprised, you know, Jimmy Mars, they own MB, they got, they got the resources, they got a lot of stuff. I know they've been crazy busy. I was surprised they didn't have a second car, right? Because they wrecked in the, the whole first show. They hadn't even started the second show yet. So, I, I mean, they, they have their reasons or whatever, but I'm surprised you go down to the show of that magnitude and you don't have a second car with to run the whole second program. Did that surprise you? Yeah, or, you know, I just, you know, he, he just, it just seemed like he luck just wasn't going his way. So I, I just wondered if he just stuck around and said, look, I'm just going to help some of these MB guys, you know, I'm a long ways from home. They travel a long way. You know, we don't know if he came home or not, obviously. So my, my initial thought was, like I said, brushing the wall in time trials, he hit hard, you know, and he hit the wall actually about two laps before he hit the wall. So I don't know if he broke something or a tire was going down because the camera never showed a replay. I don't know what he was in, maybe fourth or fifth. And, you know, and he hit so hard. So I thought, who knows, maybe he hurt a foot. Maybe he hurt himself and he just said, screw it. I'll just, I'll help these guys. Uh, but yeah, you'd think if you went on the road that far, you'd have two cars. Go ahead, Bert. Yeah, that, that's a good point. So no, another thing that stuck out to me in the racing action itself, right, was all the jump starts they called, right? Docking people two spots and a couple guys got hurt by that. But is it, and this, I'm going to give credit to Jeff on this because he came up with this term, but was it a reverse donkey award maybe when they, when they docked Dale McDowell? Because he didn't really look like he jumped. It didn't really look like he did anything wrong. They docked him. It ends up benefiting him in the long run because of the invert at the end of the feature. It benefited him. He had a better starting position because of that. So is that like a reverse donkey there? I guess you could say that. And I mean, not just the jump starts, but they also have a rule where if you get out of line, yeah, you get docked. And, you know, so if you just pull out, but don't actually pass anybody, 
you still get dock spots. So, you know, and they, they got a couple of drivers doing that. I think uh, turbo was one of them that they got. Yep. And he benefited, I think he benefited too with the in I think he did. They got Fergie on that. They got they, yeah, all kinds of guys. Yeah, so they penalized them, but didn't penalize them, so to speak. Talking about rules, evidently they have a rule you're not supposed to drive a four-wheeler late at night either. Um, <laughs> I was blown away when I saw that. So if fans, if you're living under a rock, right, what happened, right? was the first night, it was Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So Wednesday night, uh, Bobby Pierce ran good. And, and then, of course, the invert, he was going to start fifth in his heat race. And he was fast all weekend long. He's, he's, been, he's been good. His pit guy goes out evidently late at night. I'm guessing there was some alcohol involved. And I don't know exactly what he was doing on an ATV. Sounds like he was approached by maybe track security of some kind, some track personnel. An altercation took place, took place. Bobby Pierce notified that just go ahead and keep your car loaded up. You're not allowed to run the, I guess that would have been the 51st, right? Is that what it Thursday. was? Yeah, Thursday yeah, portion. First World 100, the Thursday portion. And not only that, but I was told they closed up his souvenir stand. Wouldn't even let a souvenir stand be open on that oh, day. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. So I never <laughs> seen anything like that. So as on a fan's perspective, right? And I got a whole different perspective because I've been the driver. What did, when, when that happened, what did you guys think? What went through your mind? Well, just a bunch of BS. I mean, how can you control a pit guy? I mean, I, I just, you know, we don't know. If, I mean, I'm sure there was alcohol involved, but we don't know. And, you know, this, this kind of gets back, you know, this is what Trantina kind of did. You know what I mean? It was a fan deal, supposedly with Budislavich back, um, was it Memorial Weekend? Uh, well, no, not fan deal. It was, remember, they, they said they were with the 31 car, so we're DQing the 31. Well, this guy was with the 32 Pierce car and ended up DQing him. To me, it just didn't make a lot of sense. And like I said, a lot of fans come a long way to see somebody like Bobby Pierce. I don't know. What do you think, Bert? Um, I mean, I tend to agree. Um, I mean, you're running, I mean, this guy was probably definitely a, a crew guy, but I mean, as you you could get into a situation where somebody is associated with a race team and they get in trouble and you're going to penalize the race team, even though they may be, you know, a friend of a friend of a friend. Um, but I thought it was a little excessive to keep them from racing the entire night. I guess though, looking back, you can be lucky that it was just for one of the world 100s and not both of them because they could have said the whole weekend and then he would have really been screwed. But I mean, I didn't hear this about a souvenir trailer, but that's almost more of a punishment than not racing in the race, because right. that's how a team like Bobby Pierce makes, makes some of their money. Right. You know, and, and I look at it from a couple of different things. This ain't, this ain't a, a team where dirt racing is different for the most part than like a NASCAR team. Right. I mean, most of these guys are going, man, I like, I'm having a hard time finding help. Like I'll pay you, you know, I need you to come with. So you, they may have paid pit through some of them, but they're not, it's not the cream of the crop a lot of times, right? It's not, it's like a lot of times it's like, I just need some bodies. I need somebody to wash tires. I need, you know, whatever. I need a few people. I don't know where this guy fit into the totem pole. He was absolutely a pit guy was cause he's no longer a pit guy. He was <laughs> um, terminated and let go after that. But the, pain, the fans really suffer in this one, right? Because 
they penalized him, right? If you want to penalize him, figure out a different way to do it. Don't just eliminate him from the whole night. That's not good for the for the sport, for the fans. This guy's fun to watch. It's like it's like eliminating Turbo from the world of outlaws for a whole year, right? Bobby Pierce, I would buy a ticket just to watch him because something exciting is going to happen, right? So that penalized the crowd in this one. I don't think that was the right call. It is what it is. But I'm telling you, man, I've been to several, several invitationals where we spent the night and I've seen a lot of dumb stuff. <laughs> I've done a lot of dumb stuff. I have pit guys that have done a lot of dumb stuff. And I'm here to tell you that if I would have had a pit guy back, you know, 20 years ago, Ryan racing a little bit of a temper, a little hot headed, like I would have, like I would, my pit guy would have not, it would not have gone. I can tell you right now, like it would have been, there would have been some F-bombs throwing. There would have been, can you imagine all of a sudden going to the 100, you're racing for a national title and you get booted out because your pit guy did something stupid? Not a good deal. Um, I really felt bad for Bobby Pierce and that ordeal. And, you know, that, that kind of leaves us there. You know, the, I guess the last thing, you know, I mean, the winners, of course, uh, you know, night number the first, the main world 100, I guess, for this year, Overton got her done. JD, the two top guys, of course, in 2021, you know, got it done. I mean, at the end of the day, they are the two top guys, but they weren't the biggest winners. They no. didn't walk away with the most money. No. <laughs> Do you see the split the pot? Do you have that? Both yeah. I Well, one was a 143 Thursday night and 106 Saturday night, I believe. Like my buddy Kevin Engel texted me a picture. It was like 143. $143,000 <laughs> to the split the pot winner. Yeah. And that's the winner. That's the winner's share. Right. That's what they kept saying on flows. This is the winner's share. This isn't going to be 50 grand to the winner. What we're showing on the screen is the winner's share. So we need to drive to Ohio next year and at least buy a ticket. You got to buy. Well, a you ticket. do. You're only a couple blocks away. You live right there. I, yeah, I dropped the ball. Well, well um, Wednesday night, well, it was 24,000 or, or around 24,000. Yep. And uh, somebody from Northeast Wisconsin won the won that 50-50. It was uh, somebody from the group that I would would have been hanging out with if I would have been there. So that, that probably was, kind of cool. was your ticket, is what it was. <laughs> like if you would have been sitting in the right spot. It probably was where you would have been sitting. So Bert, you, you really you should call him up. And say since I missed out, you owe me half, right? So you gotta you're watching. You gotta give Bert his cut. At least send him a T-shirt or something, you know. So unbelievable i mean you 20 some thousand on the split the pot is a big deal One hundred forty three thousand. that's life changing yeah, oh yeah. yeah right unbelievable well, i got a, i got a question for you guys oh ryan you were just saying you know uh, the two best cars overton and, and and jd so here's the question to both of you that bilstein longhorn especially the bilstein longhorn combo is lethal when's the next time somebody's gonna win in our bloomer a rocket a mars i mean this you know I mean, you got what GD, T Mac, Moran in that combo. Like I said, Overton winning, you know, GD winning. Uh, you know, T Mac was right up there. There's, you know, I, I mean, I think fourth one night or third one night was fourth one night was uh, third one night was was Mac Daddy, and that was about the closest they got. I think the second day it was top four were Longhorns. Yeah, Friday they were first, second, and fifth. It it's crazy. Right. And T-Mac probably would have been in the, he, he might've had a little something for him that first night. I think he heard a motor, didn't he? In the big one, in the, 
the first one? The first night he, well, I was in the heat race. He had that power steering. No, he got the first yeah, power steering. Yeah. Power steering. So let me see here. Where was he? Did he get second? He got second on Friday night. Oh, he did. I mean, excuse me. Uh, Thursday. Thursday? He did. Okay. Well, I okay. got it right here. I got it right here. Yeah. Cause he's been good. But let me ask you this. So to answer that question, everything goes in cycles. If you remember last year, you know, Overton, of course, was good in that Wells Longhorn, but the other two dominant guys out there were Jimmy Owens, Brandon Shepard, right? Yeah. So now the Rockets are down, the Longhorns are up. So I think it's kind of secular, you know, I can I can see the Rockets. I mean, Mark Richards is not a dumb guy, right? I mean, there's a lot of people that maybe not big fans of his, but Rocket has been very impressive for a long time. So I would say that I wouldn't be surprised if they find a little something and they're back right right back where they came from not too long down the road here okay yeah t-mac was second to overton on that on that first night so here's another question for you guys so after seeing the sights and seeing the world taking away the star power would you rather sites memorial or the world 100 i think i know both your answers we'll start with you bert which would i rather go to yeah yeah what would you um, rather yeah see i mean i i'd still say the world 100 but i'd I do want to get to the site someday because I, uh, the racing does look very good there. And, um, it's always, um, usually close racing this year. wasn't necessarily the case. Ryan, would you rather? Man, that's a tough question. You know, I, I'm a, I'm a bull ring guy, right? I like quarter mile. The, the track of the river city speedway has been great, but I've never been to Eldora. Right. So a bucket list race for me is the world 100. I mean, when you talk, dirt late model racing the world 100 is it's not the highest paying show but it's the biggest show yeah. right so right. to me i i'm gonna get to, i haven't been to a site race either i watch them but i haven't been to one so i'm gonna say both but if i had to pick just one today right now if i had a choice and i had to go to one it'd be the world 100 simply because of the the history behind it you know, the, there's so much history at that particular race. Even though I like the track better at, at Grand Forks, the World 100 would be it. Now, I got a question for you guys. Most impressive run of the weekend at the World 100? Uh, I'll start. I, like I said, I would say Mike Marlar digging his way back, uh, you know, so in the heat race, he hits turbos going crazy, trying to track down Pierce, his good friends, turbos trying to track down his good friend, Ricky Weiss and his good friend, Bobby Pierce. And, you know, he hits the wall and Marlar's got nowhere to go. gets collected. They work their butts off. Like he said in his interview, he said, you know, five minutes before the green flag of the B, the body was off the car, the whole side, they get it back together. He qualifies through the B somehow. And then, you know, makes it all the way to second place on a season that has been very uncharacteristic for Mike Marlar. It's been a terrible year. So I would say best run, Mike Marlar. Was his official starting position 26th? Is that where he started? That's probably about right. Yeah, it's got to be way back there because he he didn't win the B either. Right. He qualified whatever they took top two or three. So he he barely squeezed in. That that's that was impressive. I if I had to pick one, I'd agree. Bert, how about you? What stuck out? Um, I had I had forgotten about that, but yes, I would agree with that. I mean qualifying for the feature through the B and then making it all the way up to second while actually kind of challenging for the lead a little bit. Um, yeah. I mean, that's gotta be the most impressive run. Um, 
And I mean, it's, and it's not like he just went through the B, like Puka said. I mean, he, he had damage to his car that he had to fix before he could even get into the B. Right. And and he tagged Turbo pretty hard with his tail um, in that heat race. So, uh, you know, I you never know if a car is going to perform the same after a hit like that. Right. So Discount Chappelle's Dirt King series, they had a double header this past weekend or kind of. Right. One more show left to cap off the 2021 season. Bert, I know you kind of kept some track. That's over in your neck of the woods, Eastern Wisconsin. What happened with the Dirt Kings uh, late model series this weekend? Yeah, they raced uh, at Sycamore Speedway in Illinois on Friday night. Uh, first ever appearance outside of the state of Wisconsin. And um, <clears throat> I'm not sure if the race was streamed anywhere, but I uh, um, Ron Berna's wife uh, uh, recorded it and and had it on Facebook, so I, I watched that. And um, Sycamore was a little bit dusty. You said it normally doesn't get dusty, but it it seemed to be dusty to me. But uh, anyway, they had twenty seven late models there, which is a, a good car count. Uh, uh, some of the bigger name drivers uh, that showed up were uh, uh, Opie uh, Spatola was there. And, uh, but Nick Avalink, um, started the feature 12 and I sent Ryan, well, I sent both of you a text. I said, Nick's got his work to do tonight. And I went to bed and the next morning I got up, checked Facebook and here Nick is in victory lane. So, I mean, it was, it was <laughs> quite a victory. Uh, I, when I watched the race, he was up to fourth place, um, eight laps into the race and then he, he uh, took the lead later on. Uh, Justin Ritchie had a really strong car, but he had some uh, unfortunate encounters with some slower cars. Uh, earlier in the race, uh, he tangled a little bit with a slower car. Uh, he didn't spin out, but the slower car spun a little bit, so the caution came out. Justin got his spot back. And then later in the race, I don't know, maybe eight laps to go, Ritchie was leading entangled with another slow car and Richie wound up spinning to the infield and that ended his night. So uh, what was looking like a strong night for Richie after he had won the fair race, you know, at Shano Speedway the previous week. So he's trying to end the season on some high notes uh, ended in disappointment. So um, then the next night they went to Wilmot and uh, they got the feature was on the track and it was uh I was actually watching the stream live <laughs> on Facebook and I got deja vu all over again uh, from when I was at SK Speedway last year because <laughs> the, <laughs> the lights went out uh, four laps into the feature. Uh, there was a big wreck on the front stretch and there's a delay and then some of the lights went out. Uh, some of the wires hanging above were on fire and <laughs> apparently it was bad enough where they couldn't fix it because they uh canceled the rest of the program i got a question for you here what happened on lap two i'm not sure second place and point guy ron Berna broke okay i'm just saying okay if you remember <laughs> i was talking to jeff earlier super bowl 47 the harbaugh bowl right ravens are down to down to san francisco the lights go out, right? Long delay, long delay. They come back, the Ravens win. Okay, I'm just saying. Did Berna shut the lights off? 
Turn on electrician. <laughs> I'm just saying, no. right? Because he was second in the points. He DNF. That was going to end any chance he has of winning the championship. Did you physically see him not hit? <laughs> because he still has a mathematical chance to win the championship this coming week. Do you know for absolute certain? That somebody from the Berna team did not shut the lights off over in Wilmot. Do you know that? Well, I was not there, so I cannot comment on that question. <laughs> I'm just saying, I wasn't there either. I don't know that he did. I don't know <laughs> that he did it. I have not seen any proof. I'm just saying, maybe he did that on purpose. I don't know. Maybe he did that to salvage his season. We'll never know. I guess somebody's going to have to do a little bit of digging there. But Nick Anvilink having a hell of a season. One more night to seal the deal, and that would be uh, what would that be? I mean, every single Dirt Kings championship except for the last one, right? Correct. I mean, yeah, everyone except for the last one, and everyone that he's competed in full time, right? <laughs> so, World of Outlaw Sprint Cars, they took place this weekend down in Chico, California, the Silver Dollar Speedway down there. Any thoughts? Uh, really quick recap from the World of Outlaws. Well, the big thing was the locals that uh, Kobe Copeland led a lot of laps on Friday night, the local guy. And then Tanner Carrick led a lot of laps on Saturday night. And if it wasn't for the, uh, what do you have a loose tail? Loose, tank or, or, yeah. you know, and you know, he, you know, he had a good shot at winning that. So really it was, it was kind of all about the locals. What do you think, Bert? I agree. Um, I was really impressed with Tanner Carrick because I agree. I think he had a shot at winning that race. And then the caution came out and I believe the caution came out for something else. And it was yeah. during the caution that they discovered that his that the rear tank was loose and they wouldn't let him race like that. Well, my but first question was if it was a World of Outlaw regular who travels all the way there and he's a regular and the tank's loose, do they disqualify <laughs> you, know, you gotta remember, race fans, they don't these series don't like locals winning when they go there. You know, it, it's a great story for the fans, you know, the Cinder or the the uh, David versus Goliath, but when you when you're a series official. You know who you're supposed to put the thumb down on and who you're not. <laughs> <laughs> I like the skepticism there. I love it. I will say this. The World of Outlaw um, series is very keen on safety. Um, so I'm just going to give them a tip of the cap because they caught that. They might not have seen that. So somebody was aware of that, you know, and I mean, that could have been a bad deal, you know. So, you know, I think it's good that they actually caught that because driver safety is the most important thing. But uh yeah, I've seen a little, I've seen some shady stuff with the world of outlaws as well. You're not too far off a base there. You know, also the biggest show of the year, probably in dirt modified racing for sure. The Boone IMCA Super Nationals. Bert, I know you had a bunch of drivers from your area down in Boone this past weekend. Great racing. I think they had over 900 cars down there. A little down, you know, this year because of tire issues and whatnot. But I mean, just an amazing event. The weather this year, 10 times better than last year. I talked to people that like, oh, it was so much better than the swamp last year. Um, any any quick notes? I got a couple of the winners here, but what stuck out? Uh, who, who do you want to give a shout out there from Boom? Well, I just want to, I mean, the Super Nationals for the IMCA drivers from nor Northeast Wisconsin, I mean, that's like the Super Bowl for a lot of the drivers from my side of the state. And, you know, they look forward to going down there every year and there's always a bunch of them. So I just want to um, sport mod division. Only one local driver made the feature, Jaden Schmidt, and he finished uh, 21st or so. Um, four stock car drivers from Northeast Wisconsin made the, the big show. 
but the highest finishing uh, driver finished 16th. And then <clears throat> in the modified division, there was only one local driver that made the feature, Lucas Lambries, uh, but he did bring it home eighth, so a top 10 finish. So that, I mean, with the number of cars that they have down there, just making the show is an accomplishment, but if you can put, put it in the top 10, you know, that's awesome. And eighth is good because I think the top five, I think they all, I think they all lose their motor still. For sure the winner does, but I think the top five do. So if you got eighth, at least you got to keep the stuff. So that was good, right? <laughs> so, you know, to me, guys, and we talked about this earlier when they had the IMCA stuff in Minnesota, was all the states represented, right? I mean, there's people from all across the country at this. You know, just the mod winner, Cody Laney from California, the sport mod, Austin Becerra from Illinois, the hobby stock winner, Mike Smith from Iowa. And this kid here, keep an eye on this kid, Dallin Murdy won the IMCA stock car division, 16-year-old from Iowa. And if you remember, he won over at Granite City Speedway, Granite City Motor Park in Minnesota, and he won at Bristol and he was a 16-year-old that they give the little parade to coming back into his hometown, uh, back to the school. So a 16-year-old with a big wind on at Boone. And like I said, the contingency awards they get down there were unreal. The coolest thing I saw all week was Jeff Akey, who DNF'd in the feature and the mods. I think he got fourth in one of the prelims, I believe, on night one. And you have the choice of taking your spot or getting rid of your spot and maybe trying to get into a better starting spot the next night and starting, you know, getting fourth in his prelim, he was going to start back 20th or further back than that, maybe. And he says, I'm out. I ain't taking this. I came here to win, not make the feature. I came here to win. And he won the prelim the next night. Didn't have very good luck in the feature. I'm not sure exactly what happened, but he went there for one purpose. See, some people go to that event going to, I want to make the show. Some people go to the event, I want to win the show, and that's the difference. And that guy's won it before. I thought that was cool. So, guys, let's get into some who's hot and who's not. Brought to you by our friends over at Blue Line Brew. has got one of the mugs right here. Uh, so we've got another flavor coming out. It's going to be the Stakeout. It's going to be the darkest coffee that they make, real dark bean. Uh, so that one's in process right now, but jump over to bluelinebrews.com or just like I said, go down to the show notes, click right over. Uh, as you know, they've been a big supporter of the One to Go show. They're big supporters of racing. 10% of the profits made by Blue Line Brews goes back to families who have had the unfortunate incident of having a family member fall in the line of duty. So get great brew, support the One to Go show. Support the men and women in blue. It's a great cause, great coffee all the way around. BlueLineBrews.com. All right, Bert, we'll start with you. Who's hot? Who do you got? Um, I have the two World 100 winners, uh, Jonathan Davenport and Brandon Overton. Uh, not only because they won, they each won one, but they were in the top five, the other um, race that they were in. And then uh, I have to keep Nick Avalink, uh on my on my hot list. I mean, um, uh, another victory and, you know, this time starting from 12, normally, normally he starts eighth. So he must've really felt way back there starting 12. <laughs> what a season he's had for sure. Puka, who do you got? Who's hot? Well, we, like we talked about AJ Demo earlier, two wins, 
you know, in absolute dominating fashion on Saturday night. T-Mac, a second and a fourth out in Eldora. Like I said, that's some power steering issues in that heat race to start the week off on Wednesday. Huge rebound. You know, J.D., a fifth and a first. And even uh, uh, Daddy Mac, Dale McDowell, a third and a seventh. So I got four drivers. But uh, like I said, a great weekend out at the World 100. How about you? I got this guy right here, the one TPO, Tyler Peterson, and his last nine shows, five wins, three seconds. And literally three weeks ago, I thought it was over. I'm like, Shane Sabrowski is easily going to win the national points, and he put that thing in full-out kill mode, and he has now closed the gap to within five points. He was tied going into last night. He got second behind Sabrowski and Madison. Tyler Peterson, really, really good at the I-94 Sure Step Speedway. And then he goes to the casino speedway, his home away from home. This point battle ain't done yet. Another guy I have, the nightmare, Lucas Rodin, who, again, everybody said when Tony Liker, when he gets his 30 shows, he's taken a point lead. He absolutely did, right? He put himself in position, and everybody just kind of said, hey, look, this thing's over. Tony Liker's going to win this deal. Well, over the last seven, four wins, three seconds, and he has the national point lead by one point going into the Wasota 100. Likers are coming over. I'm here to tell you, it is going to be a show at Fergus Falls. And I got the double one express Pat Doer in his last 20 races, guys. 16 podiums. 16. Four wins. We're calling him Mr. Second Place for a while. Nine seconds. Three thirds. The other four finishes. 15th to 5th at the Silver 1000, 9th because of the invert, right? At, at Proctor, he won the first twin, or he got second in the first twin, had to start in back and or start further back. He got ninth, 11th at a World of Outlaw show with a Wasota car and a fourth. I'm telling you, he has been unbelievable. A second and a third at Labor Day, a, a pair of wins at the Northern Nationals. Pat Doerr has been absolutely lights out in the 11. So who's not? Bert, we'll start with you. Um, leading my list, and we had some text conversations about this driver over the last few days, Josh Richards. He just looks not like Josh Richards. Um, I personally think he needs a change of scenery. He needs to be on a different team or something, but uh, that team just doesn't, um, doesn't seem to have it. And... Um, I'm going to say Jimmy Owens. Uh, he didn't qualify uh, in Saturday's show. And a driver of that that uh, caliber, you know, not qualifying, that's just not acceptable. And then uh, I'm going to, for my third one, I'm going to go with Ron Berna. Uh, in, in, at Sycamore, he had a good starting spot in the feature, but he fell back. And then I believe he eventually pulled out of the race. And then he was involved in an accident at Wilmot before the lights went out. So uh, uh, it, was, <laughs> it wasn't a good weekend for him. <laughs> yeah, Tyler Irvs, who I got on my list to start with, you know, back with World Racing Group, suspension's over, time to giddy up and go. 20th on Thursday and a no qual on Saturday, a little disappointing there. And then Chris Madden still can't seem to get out of his own way, fighting himself more than anything, beating himself pretty much non-existent and there were people on different panels that were picking Chris Madden I thought oh boy you're 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 out there but they keep thinking oh he's got to win someday he's got to win someday I'm definitely not in that camp and and Ryan I think the sheriff was at Superior I think I saw the yellow spoiler turning a few laps but just never heard his name the John Cantor was not in the conversation just 
you know, kind of an up and down year. You know, he's, he's had some good runs, including the World of Outlaw race there in Superior, but a real up and down year, and he's cold as ice right now. Who do you have? Yeah, he sure was. You know, I, I got Josh Richards, number one on the list, you know, and, and he showed some signs of speed, and then just not, nothing can go right for him. I mean, he's just having a terrible year. Jimmy Owens, I mean, just uh, as dominant as he was last year, he just it just ain't been a good year for him. And then I'm just going to go with Wasota Teching in general. You gotta, you gotta get your shit consistency. Make the right decision. Make the right call. We're not, we're not in this game to like be friends and like not hurt feelings. Just do what's right. Just do what's right. If you're gonna, if you find somebody illegal to spotify them, no, none of this ticky tack stuff. You know, wheel stickers and stupid stuff like that. You know, just be consistent. That's all we can ask. If you do the same thing for everybody. I don't think anybody would be really upset as long as you're consistent. And that's the main thing. So our picks from last week, you know, I tell you, I, uh, I got three, me and me and good old Pete, Pete got three as well. Bert, you got two. Remember you were within one of me. I kind of stretched it back out. I'm back up on my two now. And Jeff got one. Puka got one, one, two, three, four, five of us of the six. I don't know what Keith was thinking. I, I really don't know. <laughs> But five of us had Pat North. So that was a that was a very popular pick. And I know that uh, you and I, Bert, both had AJ Demel. That was a good one. And then Overton was a very popular pick as well. Puka, good job on picking him on the wrong day. Uh, so I'm at 26. Bert's at 24. Pete, who was in the cellars, up into the four spot. Now, this week, we're picking tonight's race. We're going to get off here watching features over at Falls, the Texas Dirt Nationals, Knoxville, the, of course, the Lucas Oil race there, sprint cars in California, the legendary 100 and the Wasota 100. So lots of picks again this week, but we had to pick one. One pick, just one. Sure bet of the week, Bert, go. Brandon Overton wins in Texas. Pat Doerr wins at the legendary 100. Ooh, that's a good one. That's a good one. I am going to go with Tony Liker is going to win the Wasota 100. Come over from Wyoming in the Midwest Modifies at the I-94 Step Speedway. Got a lot of friends that ain't going to really like that pick. Sorry, guys. It is what it is. It's <laughs> a wheel, man. So the last lap, Puka, brought to you by? Ellen and Radier. We've talked about them a few times here before on the show. They are still looking. They have jobs, jobs, jobs. You're looking for a job. You have a friend that keeps bothering you. They they're keep coming over to play video games and eat, drinking your beer and eating your food. They need a job. Masabi.com, M-E-S-A-B-I. Your brother-in-law keeps coming over and bothering you. He needs a job. Send him to Masabi.com. Welders, assemblers, drafters. They're looking for people on the floor. They can train you. High school degree, two-year degree, four-year degree, it doesn't matter. And you're a race fan. That's why you're in the one to go, you're listening to the one to go show or watching the one to go show. Less than a mile away is the Hibbing Raceway. So what 100 how many times they race? 120 within 120 days, they race what 15, 14, 15, 16 times. The track's right there, plus the Dollinger Ford Garden Rapids Motor Speedway, just a real quick 20-minute drive down the road. So Masabi.com, LNM Radiator, find your next career there. Guys, I got a question on the last lap. Was Richard Petty right? Was he right? Right? He says, you know, dirt track racing, not civilized, or however he's not sophisticated, kind of bunch of hillbilly type stuff. Was he right in North Carolina? <laughs> right? 
Did you see what That's terrible news. Yeah. Good Lord. At one of the tracks down there, there was a shooting. Don't bring a gun. You don't need to bring a gun to the track. I'm not anti-guns, but I mean, come on. You got to be smarter than that. Evidently, there was a little scuffle there. A guy shot at somebody. It hit two people. Nobody died. Thank God. Right. But unbelievable. It's just absolutely crazy to me. You know, any, anything else noteworthy here this week before we get into our must-see events of the week? Did anything else stick out to you this week that maybe you kind of want to touch on just a little bit? I got nothing other than just, you know, I'm so happy for the Tony Stewart Foundation that they raised so much money <laughs> with that split to pot at Eldora. Congrats. Right. I, I forgot that that was it. You know, and there's a, there's a sign right there. If tracks, if you're not doing split the pot, I'm telling you what, get it together. I'm telling you, there's a lot of money and I don't care what you use it for. There's a lot of different things you can use that split the money for. It can be a fundraiser deal. You can use it to build the fan base. There's things you can do. That just shows, I mean, that event, that magnitude is crazy, but you know, obviously we'll talk a little bit more in depth about some of the winners this past week on the buyresearch.com one negotiable power ranking shows that were coming out a little bit later this week. A little interesting with the Wasota 100 coming on. That'll give everybody something to do during the day over there in Fergus Falls. But our must-see events of the week brought to you by Zuli Race Engines. And of course, looking at it from the sites this weekend in the street stocks, Parker Anderson, number 32 on the year, he won the prelude. And I picked him on the power ranking show. I said the Wolverine, Justin Vogel, was going to get it done, and he did. And he won the Sites Memorial over there in the 10. Jeff Nowak, a win over at the KRA Speedway. Got to meet him, got to visit. I went there with Burdick as well. Let's just say that didn't go as good for Burdick um, Thursday as, as it did the rest of the week. He might not have made any friends down there, but it is what it is. And uh, he had a great run in Madison, too, 17th to 3rd for Jeff Nowak. So um, Zuli Race Engines, I'm telling you what, get a hold of Frank. You're going to see his stuff running up front all weekend long at the 100 this weekend. Great service, great product. Zuli Race Engines. Guys, lots of racing coming up. Okay. What are you most excited about this coming week? Bert, go. Um, I'm most excited about uh, the Dirt King show because I'm actually planning on going to it. So. <laughs> nice so, so uh uh that would be at the top of my list uh also uh knoxville is always a a, a good race so i'm looking forward to that and then uh the wisota 100 i'll put it number three okay yeah uh, yeah so the legendary you know i just you know, i'm a cedar lake guy i love cedar lake so, <laughs> i didn't i didn't comment earlier on the the late models over or under yeah i'm probably gonna go under i think chad mater to my next race knoxville Another one I got my eye on, you know, he's been going there. Like I said, there's a bunch of guys going down as far as that bachelor party. It really stinks when they move, you know, they used to be the weekend of Ashland Knoxville did not that that was good, but obviously there's what a, a three hour difference as far as distance between Ashland and, and Cedar Lake and even Cedar Lake six, seven years ago, remember some of the mods they were, they were uh, attracting there when they first went to the DTR when they weren't with Zoda. So I don't know if, USMTS, whoever has some races, but you know, it was really getting good there for a while. And now, like I said, with, with some USMTS rescheduling and, and, you know, Knoxville a little bit closer, because I know a lot of fans go down there too. Um, and then this, this Texas event, uh, too many classes for me to go, but I am interested to see, I don't think I've seen a, a dirt race there in Texas at that track before. So I'm interested to just kind of see the whole hoopla and kind of how it goes and who shows up. 
Uh, we know some of the drivers like a Pierce and an Overton and a Bloomkiss are going to be there, but just kind of see what that car count is and see kind of what that spectacle turns into. How about you, Ryan? I, I'm going to go number one, though, with Soda 100, right? Because I'm a points guy. I'm a points chaser. Cole Searing, I think, I don't want to say he's got it locked up, but it's dang close to locked up in the late model, especially with Becker taking the week off and not gaining any ground. But the points battles in the modified, the super stock, the Midwest mod, there's a heck of a battle for second right now in the street stock division. And, and the track has been good. I'm telling you, Don Shaw and the crew over at the I-94 Surstep Speedway, they really have come to life with their track prep over there. It was a little dry, a little hard to start the season, and they kind of found a new a new program, and he's raced. He's been successful racing. I think it's going to be really good racing in Fergus Falls and the Texas Dirt Nationals. I've raced there. I've been to the Texas Motor Speedway. I ran there in the mods, and uh, my daughter Whitney might have had a little incident. I've had some meltdowns. I think she learned it from me. I come from, like, 12th to 2nd in the first lap on a passing points deal. The leader spun out, cut my tire. So I was like 207th in passing points. My weekend was over. And needless to say, she went and found the guy in the pits and maybe told that guy where the brake pedal was. I'm not <laughs> sure how that conversation went. But we uh, it was a fun track, really unique, because it's one of the only tracks where they have a tunnel. Okay, They don't have a wall opening at that dirt track. So they have a tunnel. So when you pull on the track, they had a wall opening to pull on the track, but it was protected, right? So they don't have a wall opening where you go off. To pull off, you went down in the infield and under, I believe it's turn one and two and back out into the pits. So that way there's not that abrupt end on the wall. So I thought that was cool in the lighting there. I don't think I've ever, I think it was brighter during the day, uh, nighttime than it was during the day. So that'll be a pretty cool deal down there in Texas. And then, of course, the Knoxville Late Model Nationals. You know, the legendary, that's a good one. I will be watching that as well. But the Lucas Oil race at Knoxville, I went to one in my lifetime. I think, well, I could be wrong because that when Colin Chastruck won the Midwest Mods in Superior, that whole Canadian section went bonkers. But I think the loudest cheer I ever heard in my entire life was when, if you remember, Brian Burkhofer got by Scott Bloomquist to win on the final lap. Oh, my. That was loud. That was loud. That was... <laughs> That was absolute insanity at Knoxville. So that's going to be some good stuff there. Lots of racing action, of course, coming up. So, guys, any closing thoughts before we uh, turn it over to Puka? Good no, to go. I think we covered a lot of stuff tonight. <laughs> we, we did. I tell you what, a, a fun show. There's always a lot to talk about. There's always drama. There's some good stuff. There's some bad stuff, points, battles, you name it. But uh, you got to stay tuned because we, we don't shy away from nothing. I can tell you that we, we will say what's on our mind. And I think a lot of people like that. So Puka, bring us home. Yeah. So I'm excited to watch this falls race here. Uh, you want to show everyone your shirt there, Bert? So we got some sway again. So like I said, track one of us down, we're not set up for the internet, you know, yet, but uh, like I said, Ryan's gonna be doing some traveling. We'll be around. So we're looking for some swag again, join us or join Ryan. I should say for the buyracershirts.com power rankings, they will be out later this week. Uh, thanks to all of our great partners, Dirt Track Supply, LM Radiator, BuyRayShirts.com, RV Share, Cowboy Up Racing, Zuli's Race Engines, Blue Line Brews, and Vernon Racing. Of course, we always like to hear from you at Bert Lehman, at Ryan Hill, at Racer Puka, or the one to go show at gmail.com. Like to check out our Snapchat or YouTube. 
our TikTok page. We got all that stuff running, you know, new updates every week. And most importantly, get out there and be your dream. You're tuned to the one to go show. A production of Gold Sports Media, LLC.